Since I have uh, shared the Ashtavakra Gita with all of you, I would like to speak a little bit about the nature of Ashtavakra Gita, the warnings or caveats that one has to keep in mind when approaching the Ashtavakra Gita. First, before we go into that, uh, let us look at the nature of truth itself. What is truth? We all say that we are in uh, search of truth. The word philosophy, uh, philosophia, means the love of truth. But truth brings up the question, whose truth? You know? Truth is not fixed. It is relative. So, for example, we take India and Pakistan. Pakistan is an evil country or an enemy country from India's point of view. And India is an enemy country from Pakistan's point of view. Now, this is going to give you the question when uh, a soldier in, dies in the battlefield for their respective country, uh, they are giving up their life for something that is only partially true, correct? If an Indian soldier dies defending Indian land that was today India's, was not India's, or was India's yesterday, And it's shifting. The question is, what was the meaning of that sacrifice? Uh, If who is a Pakistani today was an Indian yesterday, again the question is, what is the meaning of all this? So there is an old uh, philosophical maxim called the ship of Theseus. So Theseus was a king in uh, Greece. And he had a giant ship. He had built a wooden ship, uh, which was known for its size. Now, the ship of Theseus lived for a very long time, several decades, maybe even a hundred years. What had happened was, in this period, every piece of that ship of Theseus had been replaced. The wooden planks had been replaced, the nails had been replaced, the ropes had been replaced, the masts that were holding up the sails had been replaced, the cloth sails had been replaced, the sailors had been replaced. There was not even a single nail in the ship of Theseus that was what existed when the ship of Theseus had begun construction. So the question was, where is the ship of Theseus? Is this ship that you have here today the original ship of Theseus? Because we still call it the ship of Theseus. It still has the name, same name painted on it. But we don't see that ship here actually in truth. So this is also life. The same thing I think was done with another Greek philosopher. Um, who had one chariot and 
had two chariots, two identical chariots were kept next to each other. And uh, what he did was he would replace, take one wheel from one chariot, put it on the other one and exchange the wheels. So he would take this wheel from that and that to this. And so then he would ask, is, uh, uh, is this the same chariot? And then people would say, no, this is, uh, this, the wheels have been changed. And so like this, he would change every component of the chariot. And so all the components of the first chariot were now in the second chariot, and all the components of the second chariot were now in the first chariot. Then he asked, which is the first one and which is the second one? So that, you know, now you, the question is, is it the place where which stands, which makes it first and second, or is it the components in the chariot that make it first and second? Because there is a box with one drawn, and then there is a box with two drawn, and all the uh, the chariot that stands in one, in box number one, is actually made of all the components of the chariot that stand, stood in box number two. And the chariot that now stands in box number two has all the components of the chariots, chariot that stood in box number one. So I am giving you both these examples to tell you that what is true, what is identity, what is reality is based on an illusion. People can argue about whether the word illusion is correct or not, but you get the point. Uh, whatever we think is real is not really fully real. It's not unreal also. This is what is the Advaita state of mind. Something is neither real nor unreal. In truth, in, in this world, according to the Advaita truth, Nothing is is a duality. So when you say real and unreal, it's a duality. When you say true and untrue, it's a duality. But in this universe, everything is equally true and equally untrue. Everything is equally real and equally unreal. Now, if you actually attain to this perception, then how do you function in this world? Because to function in this world, you need this duality. To go about in this world, to create institutions, to lead a life, to, to know how to act, uh, you, you definitely need a duality. And so this becomes the paradox when you attain to the Advaita state of mind. And there is, because it's not just an intellectual understanding, there is an Advaita state of mind which you attain to when you you see the duality but you don't completely buy into it so you can see an argument you can take a position you can argue for something you can defend something you can fight for something while knowing that that is not the be all and end all of everything so you know this when there's a India-Pakistan cricket match going on, you can cheer for India. But you know, it is just a match. You know, at the end of the day, they're all sports people and they're all, you know, trying to show off what they have learned. That's all it is. So you, you embrace reality in its totality, but you can only at a certain point of time hold a part of that reality. You have to choose. 
you have to say i support india or i support pakistan or something like this in in everyday life you know uh, you have to make these choices now this is a this is a very advanced uh, state of uh, perception of reality when you take something like rama's dharma rama's dharma is very real uh, he knows what is right and what is wrong there is no shade of gray there there is no question of uh, dilution of that dharma there is no question of allowances it's a very rigid dharma so rama is functioning in this world as a dualistic person he knows what is right and wrong he knows what is adharma and what is dharma this ashtavakra gita it is this height of non duality so when you read ashtavakra gita and you really believe it it uh, can upset a lot of things going on in your life because and uh, you have to integrate it see this uh, we are functioning currently in a dual duality state of duality you reach into a state of non duality you will not be able to function then an integration is required to come back into the duality but without that firm belief of duality this is what happens to janaka janaka is asleep and in his sleep he finds he is having a dream he is vanquished his kingdom is gone and he is an enemy uh, he is uh, running away from his enemies and he is seeking shelter he is taking refuge anonymously disguised as a ordinary person he is hiding in a neighboring land and he has no money on him he has nothing to uh, buy food with so he is standing in line at an anadana and as he comes to the end of the line when his turn comes there is no more food left and this happens for 3 days and so for 3 days janaka is hungry and janaka is cold he has nowhere to sleep and uh, he is hiding so he doesn't want to be seen so he finds a little hole in the ground a little ditch and in that ditch uh, in the uh, in, in between the trees he is hiding so he is cold he is wet he is uh, hungry and he is uh, uh, injured and so in this very miserable and pathetic physical state suffering like this janaka wakes up from the dream and when he wakes up from the dream he sees that this entire thing was just a dream he is now in his palace he's got all his you know queens around him he's got the guards he's got the luxuries of the palace but this dream was so real it was too real so now janaka is confused is is this the, the dream or was that the dream he doesn't know that's how real the dream was to him most of us have very uh, clear distinction between what is real and what is the dream but janaka had no such distinction he did just could not understand which was real and which was not and so he goes into a state of madness and in the state of madness many physicians come to cure him and nobody is able to succeed 
it is at this point in time that they announce to the wide audience across the world giving a prize for whoever can cure janaka's question they don't reveal that he is you know mad they don't want to reveal that you know the security national security problems so they just say the king has a question who can answer it and the, they phrase the question is this real or not real so in this state ashtavakra comes to know and he comes forward to answer janaka he understands when he has heard the question the moment he hears the question he understands the state of mind that can ask the question so he comes there and says i can cure your king's madness and uh, of, uh, immediately the the ministers also know this is not an ordinary person because they have not revealed to anyone that he is mad but here is ashtavakra coming directly and saying i can cure your king's madness and so they allow ashtavakra and janaka to talk and ashtavakra then talks about this state of non duality so you understand this is what will happen if you read the ashtavakra gita and you absorb it entirely you will first enter a state of non duality if you truly appreciate and embrace it and this is why you know in the ashtavakra gita it is also said this is not meant for most people because for most people they want to be somebody in this world they want to achieve something they want to be something they want to enjoy this world however it is even if they are criticizing this world they want to enjoy it while they want to enjoy that criticizing even if they think that this whole world is pathetic and you know full of sinful people and they are the purest ones even those holy people they want to be holy or if there are people who you know say oh this world is uh, not meant for luxury and uh, look at me i am so simple even these people are wanting to enjoy this world they want to enjoy being simple in this world they want to be enjoy, they want to enjoy somehow some definition of themselves so ashtavakra says this book is not for everyone this teaching is not for everyone because janaka has already reached a state where he is stuck in non duality he he doesn't know which is which so in, to release him from that state of non duality ashtavakra comes so this ashtavakra gita is for someone who is at or near the non dual state i uh, i am sharing this here because i know that and you know there is there is no real danger right now for any of you if you read this to get into such state and if you get into such state also i'm sure you know things that's a that's a good thing if you do there's no no harm in that and uh, it is what it is see we don't control these uh, uh, um, these reactions whatever everyone's destined to happens now this ashtavakra gita has a very single direct message i think this is going a little longer 
I am going to pause here and continue in the next one. I'm sorry, I had to stop there. See, this is what happens when I reach this state of, when I start talking about such states. I reach such a state. So suddenly my mind uh, completely, this, you know, went blank. That is the intuition, whatever, all faculties stopped working. And uh, I just couldn't uh, say anything about that topic anymore. Suddenly it was just vanished. And uh, that's why I had to take a little break, think about, uh, you know, compose myself and come back. And this is the difficulty when you start talking about these states, even about the Ashtavakra Gita in any kind of detail. This happens. Uh, your, uh, the normal functioning, you see, this normal even to speak, it requires a duality. It requires a state of being separate, the speaker, the, you know, and this heard, this, uh, who am I addressing? It's nothing there, actually. Even this, uh, this is an act of creation. Every, this is why silence is so praised. Because speech is uh, an act of division. Speech is an act of uh, assuming there is someone to hear what you have to say. And uh, it is in itself, you know, this, an act of ignorance. So, obviously, it's uh, when uh, that ignorance that which is necessary for this life to continue is removed, uh, life becomes impossible. You saw a real demonstration of that. Um, Yes, uh, I think I'm going to stop right now for a bit because it's still too powerful and uh, I'm going again and again into silence. Very And, uh, you know, it's, silence is so beautiful, I don't want to come out of it. So speaking is hard. Uh, I will work on this. That is, prepare myself a little better. Give me a few minutes, I'll continue the message. In, in life, action is important. Everything is action. So the act of hearing what you're doing, listening to my message, is action. The act of taking that thought from the ear and into the brain is action. You know, understanding it, comprehending it, analyzing it, storing it, memorizing it, you know, reframing it in your own words, everything is action. So this action which we take to be supreme in this world is a state of ignorance. What we call enlightenment commonly misperception is that enlightenment is a superhuman state. 
which it is not. It is the most human state. There is this bias towards action that enslaves us in this world. You could willingly exist in this world, enjoying the action, enjoying the duality. That is up to you. However, to If the objective is to go beyond action, then we are drawn towards a state of union or samadhi where we are in unity with no dualities. The Ashtava Pragita is remarkable for how clearly it brings out this state which is ineffable, inexpressible. That is the real genius of the Ashtavakra Gita. To say that which is impossible to say. This book has always had this effect on me. The first time that I received this book, the courier had given the book to me. 
even before I opened the book, the parcel, I was feeling faint and I had to sit down and I went into this state of Samadhi without even having opened a page of the book. That is the power of this book. Book is not just printed words. It is the, it carries a conscious energy. That is the consciousness of the person who has written it in it. It is a miracle that Ashtavakra, who was so supremely knowledgeable, yet managed to live in this world, speak in this world, teach in this world. You can see the effect it is having on me. It has rendered me mute. It has made me very abnormal. I cannot imagine the state at the height of Ashtavaka's attainment and yet how he managed to remain in that state and yet function in this world. Because even he says in his book that if you are in this state, you cannot function in this world. So, it is not, no state is permanent. You can neither be permanently in duality, nor can you be permanently in non-duality. Changes one truth of this universe, of this creation. Everything changes. And Ashtavakra also says that it is, he comes at it from the other point of view. See here, I am admiring the non-dual state. He is admiring the dual state and saying how it is possible even after you have reached the state to still be drawn to the duality. The duality and non-duality, these are the unitary state and the dual state. They are equal in their power, in their capacity. You know, the power of Maya is equal to the power of Jnana. One is given to everybody for free. Maya is given to everyone who is created for free. Now you take creation for granted. Because you see too many of, you know, this is what, uh, this is the paradox of humanity. We value that which is rare. If everybody in the world has 10 kilos of gold with them, gold prices will fall. We don't value it anymore. This is how we don't value creation. 
we think jnana is all fantastic we think jnana is the supreme achievement failing to understand that maya is an equally supreme achievement the journey we have made into this creation was born out of a desire how strong how earnest that desire must have been to create this maya imagine if just a taste of non-duality is making me unable to speak while in non-duality while in unity while in the unmanifest state how difficult that escape must have been to come into creation it is not easy and then to create a creation that is so stable that people are unable to leave it that is not easy so which prison do you want do you want this prison of duality or do you want that prison of non duality or maybe there is no prison you are trapped in this world because you think you are trapped in this world enjoy this world as it is rise and fall with the waves of the universe the good and the bad the pleasurable and the painful roll with all of them and it is fine you are trapped you are no longer trapped or you reach into a state of samadhi embrace the non-duality become non-functional in this world proceed into the non-dual and remain there in that non-dual absorption neither state is permanent and neither state is a trap the perception of something being in prison or freedom comes from our point of view where we stand somebody's freedom is somebody else's imprisonment somebody else's imprisonment is somebody else's freedom you see this in this world all the time
somebody wants the freedom to marry a person they like, they call that freedom. Somebody else feels free only when they divorce that person and come out of the marriage. They also call that freedom. The question of enlightenment does not arise. For there is nothing that is bound and nothing that is not bound. Where can you go? The whole of creation is in one extremity of the bondage. It is bound in duality. The whole of the unmanifest truth is at the other end of the extreme and it is bound up in non-duality. There is nothing apart from this. You can move from here to there or there to here or not move. But those are the parameters. That is what you remain within. Realizing this truth, what are you going to do? It's your choice. The reason we have praised saints, masters, rishis, Munis is because they bring gifts. They are like Santa Claus. Would you worship a saint who cannot cure your disease? Would you worship a guru who cannot solve your problems? So All worship is a form of grasping. All worship is a form of theft. All worship is a form of accumulation. And yet, all worship is divine. All worship is liberating. All worship is to become the gift. When you worship Rama, you become Rama. And thus it is not theft. These words are so powerful. What we call them is so powerful. It is impossible for some minds to even imagine hearing such words associated 
with a beautiful thing like worship. How could you call it that? And so the mind rewards, the subconscious rewards, the pious consciousness, which is at the root of the holy person, cannot, cannot listen to this, the word worship being equated with something as base as theft. That is the root of the duality. We have created in our minds. We have made something holy, something unholy. We have made something a point to go towards, something else a point to stay away from. And see, when you go in depth into this truth, that truth makes you immobile. And this is why Ashtavakra says, most people do not want to hear this because when they hear this, they cannot enjoy the fruits of this world. Ashtavakra repeats the same truth in several different ways in the Ashtavakra Gita. Back and forth, back and forth. He narrates it from several perspectives. I'm hoping this reveals something of the state of what the Ashtavakra leads to, or Gita leads to. I cannot say this is better or worse than the state of duality. It is different. It is a possibility. It is a potentiality. If you wish, if you so desire, you could give up the desire for everything else and attain to this state. There is no reason, cause, justification, need, necessity, requirement to come to a choice. No matter what you choose, it is both real and unreal. In the state of absorption, 
it feels beautiful it feels lively in its own blank condition without interruptions from the senses without interruptions from the mind it is a glorious escape and yet an escape to where the entirety of creation came from this state of seemingly nothingness like everything else we do this because it is there why do we do anything in life the need to be no reason for anything we are compelled by some forces to hold on to this life but what in truth are those forces are those forces separate from us can we not master those forces forces such as hunger forces such as ego forces such as love attachment can we not master them what do we do when we master them what do we do with this freedom there's nothing to do there's nothing at all it's just like the dog chasing the car once the dog catches up with the car what is it going to do with the car as the zen master ryokan taigo says what is enlightenment useful for absolutely nothing it is a beautiful uselessness is beautifully useless <laughs>